there, creatives. Thanks so much for listening to the Creative Psychotherapist Podcast. I'm your host, Raina Lombardi, and I am delighted that you're here. I am excited to share with you our first um, of uh, the fall iteration of the Expressive Therapy Summit Special Series, where we're speaking with uh, Peggy Kolodny and Celicia Mazzaro. And they are talking about uh, the way they integrate EMDR, internal family systems, and art therapy um, in uh, addressing, treating trauma across the lifespan. Um, I think if you're interested in any of those topics, then you're going to love this interview. And if you love the interview, you're going to want to do one, two, or both. One, sign up and register to attend their six-hour all-day training on November 17th at the Expressive Therapy Summit. You can attend from wherever because it's on Zoom. It's all online. Um, and you can find that information by going to simply expressivetherapysummit.com, click on virtual events, and then you can click on, you know, program and you'll be able to find the date and look through on that particular date on the November 17th and find their uh, training and register for that. But you should also peruse and see what else is available because there's lots of other amazing offerings happening. Um, and number two, you probably will also want to check out the book that we talked about last week's episode with Jocelyn Fitzgerald, EMDR and Creative Arts Therapies, which is being published by Rutledge. It's in uh, pre-release stage right now. And so it's available for pre-order on Rutledge's website. And um, if you listen to the end or check out the show notes, um, you'll find a code uh, for 20% off of that book. Um, so highly recommend you check out both of those, especially if you loved this episode. The Creative Psychotherapist is the official podcast of the Creative Clinician's Corner, a practice building resource for creative psychotherapists. TCP Podcast is the cast for creative, expressive, and experiential-focused psychotherapists curious to learn how to design, build, and scale a thriving private practice. Your host, Raina Lombardi, interviews successful therapists about the tools and strategies they have used to develop creative-focused practices. They also talk about the products, services, and side hustles they have developed, using their knowledge and creativity to enhance their therapy practices, make a greater impact in their communities and diversify their income streams. Welcome. Now here's your host, Raina Lombardi. Thanks so much for listening to the Creative Psychotherapist Podcast. I'm your host, Raina Lombardi, and I'm really excited for this next episode of the uh, Expressive Therapy Summit special series where I'm interviewing different professionals that um, teach their skills to other therapists at this amazing event. And today I'll be speaking with two wonderful therapists. Um, 
I'm welcoming Celicia Macero, who is a licensed professional counselor, a registered art therapist, and certified eating disorder specialist and supervisor practicing in St. Louis, Missouri. Celicia is trained in EMDR and internal family systems. Over the past 10 years, she's worked in two treatment centers focusing on eating disorders uh, before transitioning to private practice. She serves as the president of the International Association of Eating Disorder Professionals, uh, St. Louis chapter, and she's also on the board of directors of Missouri Eating Disorder Association and as a presenter for their Feed the Facts program, educating students and teachers about eating disorders and prevention in the school system. She presents nationwide annually on art therapy, IFS, and eating disorder treatment. Celicia recently co-authored a chapter on art therapy, IFS, and EMDR in the new book, EMDR and Creative Arts Therapies. And I'd also like to welcome Peggy Kolodny, who is a board certified registered and licensed art therapist with level two certificates in internal family systems and in EMDR, specializing in trauma treatment across the lifespan. She's a founder, the founder of the group private practice Art Therapy Collective of Owings Mills. Currently, Peggy is adjunct faculty with George Washington University's Art Therapy Graduate Program, as well as multiple professional training faculties, such as the Chesapeake Beach Play Therapy Seminars, the Ferenc Institute, and the Expressive Therapy Summits. She's on the board of the Maryland Art Therapy Association, is a past president, and is their delegate to the American Art Therapy Association. Peggy's the current chair of the International Society on the Study of Trauma and Associations Creative Arts Therapies Special Interest Group. Past faculties include the University of Maryland School of Social Work, Goucher College, and Maryland Institute College of Art. Her recent publications include two chapters in art therapy in the treatment of addictions and trauma, and a co-authored chapter with Celicia, The Interweave of Internal Family Systems, EMDR and Art Therapy, and EMDR and Creative Arts Therapies, which will be released in October, but is currently available for pre-order on Rutledge. Past positions back in the 1980s to the 90s include chair of the Central Maryland Sexual Abuse Treatment Task Force, vice chair of the Maryland chapter of the American Professional Society on the Abuse of Children, and director of a nonprofit clinical trauma treatment agency, The Family Connection. She truly has been working as an art therapist with trauma populations for 40 years since her graduation from George Washington University's art therapy program. Welcome. Thank you guys so much for being here. Of course. Thank you. We're happy to be here and excited to, to talk the talk. I'm excited to learn, uh, learn from you both. And um, maybe we should begin by um, talking about what internal family systems therapy is and how it works, because it's a little bit different, I think, than some other uh, modalities and approaches. So internal family systems is actually created by Richard Schwartz. 
And what we look at is what is going on internally within all of us. So his, his idea was to take family systems theory and to internalize that in ourselves by looking at what are our parts. And a part can actually be a feeling, an emotion, um, images, it can be words, body sensations, any felt sense, um, voices, or even physical symptoms that they're experiencing. And for everyone, a part may come up very differently. Um, for me in particular, my parts tend to actually be visuals of myself as, as younger beings. They can be colored, different sensations that have movement to it. Um, and what we know about trauma is when somebody experiences something traumatic, it gets stuck in that traumatic year or in that, in that scene. Right, so in IFS, what we look at is that is a particular part that may be stuck in that traumatic scene. And what we wanna do is actually go in and work with that part, get to know it, get to understand it, be able to show some compassion. And there's a lot in IFS about how to be in self, using self energy um, and being able to just sit with that part and understand its experience. Um, even removing that part from the scene could really help start to shift our trauma processing um, and create some safety for that particular part. So I, I think both of us will probably talk about how we came into the IFS world. Um, and I actually was trained in IFS before I was trained in EMDR, but I got my training first as an art therapist and I ended in 2012 at Drexel University Hahnemann Hospital. Um, and then I started working at a treatment center here in St. Louis called Castlewood Treatment Center, treating primarily trauma with eating disorders, um, trauma and eating disorders. Mm. And it was really fascinating because we were able to watch so much activation internally happening with our clients. And we used IFS to really connect with the different parts of the eating disorder, but then also working with what went on with them on a trauma level too. And our training came directly from Dick Schwartz at the time. Um, so wow. yeah, so I was very fortunate that, you know, he would actually come in for three day weekends and do trainings with us. And then our supervisors were all trained by him directly. Um, so I went into IFS as a skeptic and that is one of my parts that was very skeptical of how are you gonna, how are you gonna talk to traumatic parts of myself? Like I am very guarded, um, you know, I'm kind of a, a very taskmaster managerial person that's like, there's no way you're getting in there. Um, and my first experience with IFS was actually doing a demo in a room with all therapists and dietitians and doctors. Um, and I raised my hand for the demo and Dick Schwartz was there doing the demos. And I was like, all right, here we go. And I would say within five minutes, I was crying. I'm connecting to a tra trauma scene. And I was like, what is going on? Um, you know, and I mean, like I had parts that were so activated of like, there's no way he's going to get this information. And, you know, and I mean, it was, it was so beautiful to watch the compassion, both from him, the compassion from all of my coworkers, 
and we started working with my anxious part, you know, and, and why that anxious part was protecting younger parts of me. Um, and since then I was like, sold, sign me up for more training. I am ready to go. Um, so that's kind of what brought me into this field a little bit more with the IFS. That sounds like an amazing treatment facility that they took such good care of their clinicians to provide that level of depth of training. That's a great opportunity. I'm sorry to cut you off, Peggy, but that's just such a gift um, to give like new therapists coming into the profession. Um, Yeah. yeah. Please go ahead, Peggy. Oh, no, to build on that, too, um, because IFS training, formal training level one um, can be just as intimate. They'd have two trainers, the lead trainers, the lead one and and her assistant. And then they have about 12 other assistants. They limit it to 30 people, um, two people, two leaders per small group. So we've broken up to groups of about six. We each have two leaders. Uh, so there, uh, there are demos, the same thing to do the personal work. So I have to say that the training itself really replicates Celicia's experience. Um, and then level two was with Dick. I also was fortunate to have a demo with Dick. And my opening statement to him was, um, I know you go in and there's memories that people uncover and didn't know about and young parts. I remember everything that's happened to me. A psychologist had said to me years ago, your issue is you remember everything. You have no repression or suppression. By the time I was done with that, about 45 minutes successful, compassionate session with Dick demonstrating the IFS process, he said, do you have anything else to say? And I said, yes, I don't know what I don't know. And that was a part saying that to me, that you think you remember everything, but you don't know what you don't know. And it was incredibly powerful because I could accept that. I wasn't scared of that. I mean, I'd gone through decades of I remember everything, which is really a part protecting me from what I don't know and the fear of that. So in these demos, he's not even our therapist. It's a demo and how the elegant and um, efficacy and efficiency of this model is, you know, is pretty stunning. And it doesn't always happen that quickly. You know, I work and I know Celicia with complex trauma and it, you know, it can happen fast. It can, ha- can take weeks, months, even years. So I want to build on, on a little bit more with what Celicia said to understand the model. Um, there are, we, ha- we all have parts. This is the mantra. We all have parts mm-hmm. and all parts are welcome. There is no such thing as a bad part. There is a continuum of dissociation of parts. So we all have parts. You get me in, in calculus, you're going to see me spacing out. <laughs> I look like I'm there. I'm looking and smiling at the professor and my mind is somewhere else. <laughs> you know, I've, I've left the building and there's another part there taking notes. So, and then to dissociative identity disorder, which is a more extreme form of having parts with more complex trauma. And Dick recognizes that, but the difference between his work, his model working with parts and more structural dissociation and parts work in other models, he's a 
first to work on the dialoguing between parts before mm -hmm. it's a therapist talking to a part the client may even have some dialogue with a part right and we now call that the client part whoever walks into the office is a part as well but he is doing the healing recovery and reparative work through um, part to part the parts talking to each other polarized parts the critic and the scared part um the protectors who don't want you to get to a more wounded part because they may flood the system so he's recognizing it's like family ther therapy the communication between the members and he does this with a, a system that again it's so elegant and in, um in, in describing it it's a six f's or really seven it's finding a part focusing on that part um fleshing it out and mm -hmm. asking the part what do you want us to to know about you um feeling it where do you feel this in your body a heaviness in your chest what oh, no no i'm sorry that's earlier fine the felt sense is how do you feel towards it you may ask the oh. client how do you feel to this this part that's telling you how angry or sad they are so how the client feels towards the part or how parts feel towards each other and then you friend it you are mm -hmm. building a trusting relationship and by the time you're building that trust you've gotten to know it there's an openness you can ask what its fears are what is its role what is the role of this part and what is it afraid would happen if it didn't do its job if it did something differently and then the work really begins because they they go to what we ultimately call unburdening or freeing where once they feel listened to understood and the compassion and loved mm -hmm. they feel safe enough to say this is what happened and okay. and so that's the power and the parts to 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 give the the foundation of that as well scaffolding it is there are three parts there's the manager there are, which is Celicia's manager saying, yeah, you're not going near this. You're um, the firefighter, which is the part that's saying, um, yeah, we're feeling pretty overwhelmed and you're not working fast enough. We're gonna put out this fire now. And that may be by drinking to numb it, by binge eating, by cutting. Mm -hmm. So those very fast that to a therapist may look destructive or pathological, but it's really, comes from a place of compassion these firefighters are saying i don't want you to suffer and we want mm -hmm. to end this now right absolutely and then the third is the wounded is the exile and those are as Celicia was describing with herself these young parts that have they, they were there when they were wounded they weren't just a witness to it it happened to them and they're stuck there mm -hmm. and then these other parts are called exiles because firefighter managers who are protectors are afraid if this exile comes out and tells their story, the client will be overwhelmed, the system will be flooded, they won't be able to function, everything shuts down. So, you know, that's, and then the self energy she referred to, self with a capital S, is this, it's a healing entity we're born with. We all have it. Depending on your spiritual or religious affiliation, your culture, one might see it as their soul one might see it as um jesse innocence were born with and the, we can look at it uh through neuroscience and clinically as the ability that we all have to self-heal if you cut mm -hmm. yourself and do nothing your body knows what to do to heal and the same is true with emotional wounds psychological wounds yeah I love so that. yeah 
And self, I mean, the concept of self is very fascinating in this, in IFS, because it allows us to show so much compassion to our parts. And a lot of times our clients walk in and they feel so wounded that there's nothing that anyone can say or do that will alter those wounds. Mm -hmm. So self is actually made up of eight C's. And what it's, what the eight C's are is compassion, connectedness to self and others, meditative experiences that allows us to feel calm, Mm. curiosity, uh, clarity through insight, even the courage to show up to session or to, to be willing to talk about their, their issues or their past. Um, and that can lead us to build confidence in ourselves. And then one of the eight C's is creativity, which mm. Peggy and I absolutely love. Um, yeah, so it, it allows us room f- to bring in the art therapy component with our clients too. And what we want to do is really teach our clients that one, we have a self, it can't, Mm -hmm. we're all born with it. Um, And how do we connect more with self? How do we become more curious about our parts? How do we show more compassion and care to our parts? Um, And so much healing just occurs when there's separation from being in the part Mm -hmm. and being in self. We talked about unblending from the part. So rather than saying, I am so angry, we'll say, I notice I have a part very angered by this, or I notice that I have an angry part. And that immediately helps create distance from being in the part and blend it with it. And actually noticing the part allows some self-compassion for for the anger and a willingness to understand it. So you're not flooded. So yeah. the model works just in functioning every day. Mm-hmm. It, it truly does. Dick also, because, you know, we're going to call him Dick now, Dick Schwartz, right? Um, he uh, really recognized that his approach had some overlaps with Jung, Carl Jung's active imagination. And he mm-hmm. explored that. He writes about that one of his recent books to make sure, am I, you know, copying this? You know, unconsciously we learn this. Is this really his model? And he looked at it, noticed the differences and the overlaps. One is, you know, the parts work is the part-to-part communication. But active imagination is a bridge then between IFS and art therapy, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, in active imagination, and Jung has, he describes it. And when he describes active imagination, his words it's as if we're describing the IFS process. So he's saying, do a piece of artwork, notice what's in the art, notice a part of the art, focus mm-hmm. on that. He actually says, focus on it, notice what you feel. And if other parts of the artwork come in, you know, it's basically refocus on just one thing at a time. And Dick would call that, have the other parts step back and then start dialoguing with this part by listening, not talking to the art. Let's say it's a a, a squirrel in a picture, right? You're not talking to the squirrel, you're listening to the squirrel. What does it have to say to you to Mm -hmm. understand it? It was a complete understand, it really is a Mm -hmm. foundation and it bridges, that's why, you know, the art, it bridges the art. And Silesia and I have done this in clay, we've done it collage, Mm -hmm. we've done it, 
um, in drawing, um, mm -hmm. sculpture. And I should add in here that when we met, Salisi and I, I had been teaching this with Amanda Bechtel, another art therapist. Heard of her, yes. Mm -hmm. So Amanda and I taught, um, taught this. We, we presented a paper, an hour-long paper for the American Art Therapy Association around 2015, I think on our therapy and IFS, it's now part of their continuing ed course. So, you know, people can still take that. And then the following year, we suggested to Barry, we want to present the summit with this. And he goes, well, interestingly enough, I have another proposal from Celicia Mazzaro. Do you know her? We went, no. He said, her proposal is like identical to yours. Perhaps the three of you should meet. And that's how I we met. I love that. I love and that we he's actually a met connector. Him. Yes, the connectedness, right? We met, we had talked on Zoom and the phone. We were in different states. Well, Amanda and I are in the same state. But we met Celicia in person the first day we were going to present. Yeah, in and, New York City. Right, New York City, the summer. Wow. So from there, uh, Amanda's gotten uh, certified in Jungian um, sand play therapy. And she uses sand play with IFS as well. So she, she, the three of us are going to be presenting next week locally. Um, so Amanda joins us. Sometimes Celicia has worked on her own. You've done one for the summit with uh, IFS and body templates and eating disorders. Sometimes I present alone or Celicia and I or Amanda and I. So we cut, but it was Celicia and I did the chapter because the two of us are also trained in EMDR. So that's, that's really what, right, bound us together. together. And no one else, I mean, we're really excited and humbled that we're, you know, it's kind of scary that we're the pioneers and the first to publish on the integration of these three models. But we're also, I think, enough self-energy to, to put it out there, get the feedback, evolve from this. So that our chapters mm -hmm. really um, our intent at bringing it together, this integration and understanding there's no, not enough research behind it. It's so based on lived experience of our clients. I learned more from them. I really want to highlight what you said just now. It just really connected with me. And that was the, the part about you have enough self energy to do it because that is such an important part of, as we're growing as professionals and developing as professionals and stretching that, that it comes from that place, right? That's where we grow when we do something that we haven't done before that feels maybe a little vulnerable. Absolutely. And so and, and our therapy, all of us can say we're very critical beings, right? So how often do we get so caught up in our internal dialogue of you're not good enough, or, you know, somebody else has done this before. I mean, for me, I, I have like imposter syndrome that happens all the time where it's like, you're too young to be doing this. Or, you know, there's more professionals out there that have done this much longer and that are better than you. So I think with doing my own work, I'm able to have that step back, the critical voice step back and say, this is what I know so far and be mm -hmm. humbled by that. You know, I mean, like Peggy and I realize that there's not many art therapists that are trained in IFS that are trained in the EMDR and, and that is okay. It has to start from somewhere. 
And I think as art therapists, even though we know the field professionally being recognized for 70 or 80 years, we want to go back to the 40s, even though we know that art used in a therapeutic way goes back to cave drawings and across all cultures. But as a mental health profession being more formalized, every art therapist still feels like a pioneer. We still are constantly explaining what we do, right? And justifying and validating. And anytime we use a new modality or directive, sometimes we're the first to do it. So I think we're all used to being pioneers in that sense. And that, that that has given us a support. And I think what Celicia said that we recognize there's just a handful of us but we teach our in- compassionate intention is we want more art therapists to do this. Drama therapist, we, Laura Wood is a drama therapist. She's trained in IFS and, 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 and you know, drama therapy as well. But we want more people to do it. There are more art, more art therapists every year and expressive therapists trained in EMDR. So that group is growing, hence the book. But we want to add IFS to this. There, is a, a you know a number of things published on EMDR and IFS those two integrated there is trainings and publications but adding art all three of them mm-hmm. is what's new this episode of the podcast is sponsored by my practice Florida Art Therapy Services and we provide uh, art therapy services mental health services and high quality uh, supervision for licensed folks in Florida, as well as for um, art therapy credentials. And we also provide uh, experiential based continuing education programming. uh, And we provide that for licensed folks in the state of Florida, but also uh, our continuing ed can be used to satisfy uh, the requirements for the Art Therapy Credentials Board Continuing Education Requirements. And we have a couple of courses that really focus on developing supervisory practice. Uh, One is a 12-hour Florida Qualified Supervisor Training. It's a two-day training. And we have a couple of options coming up this fall for folks. We're going to have an in-person, in-office training, which will be limited to 15 people on September 24th and 25th, 2022. And it's going to be awesome. We're going to be engaging in lots of really great experiential activities. I teach this class with uh, Amy Strom, who's a licensed clinical social worker. And part of what we do is um, have you engage in creating a sand tray um, about your supervisory identity and uh, as our kind of culminating event at the end of day two, which is always really fun. We haven't done it in person since pandemic hit. So we're really excited about that. We also have another Zoom training also two days, and that's going to be October 15th and 16th, 2022. Um, And we'll still engage in experiential activities and we make plenty use of um, the breakout rooms and interactive group discussion and things. So if that sounds like uh, something you're interested in, if you're a licensed uh, therapist in the state of Florida, uh, please go ahead and head over to our website, floridaarttherapyservices.com. And you can find that under the continuing education tab under 12 hour Florida qualified supervisor. And 
I haven't added the next date yet, but we will have um, a date coming up for a six hour supervision and art therapy training, which I hosted earlier this year, which was really wonderful. We go over theory, uh, structure, applications, practical aspects, plus didactic and uh, experiential um, based activities to really uh, synthesize the, the learning that we're uh, engaged in. And so we'll be adding another opportunity for that this fall. So if that's something that you're interested in, you can find that under the continuing education tab as well. And um, we have a couple of other trainings too coming up. So check that out and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Yeah, it makes, you know, the way you were describing the art part really um, makes me think about the training that I received at Leslie University, which is where I went to school. And we did a lot of the dialoguing between with parts in the image. So like different parts within the image, dialoguing with the image, like a lot of that. And, um, and so it makes everything that you were talking about makes sense to me, um, because of that and how powerful that is. Well, that's what we recognize, Rena, that it's organic. I, we, we say our therapists are already neuroscience. Don't get me scientists. Don't get me starting the neuroscience piece, the neurosequential, right? But we're also already doing this both uh, with IFS. I know we all had the same experience. We looked at it and went, yeah, well, that's active imagination, and we're already doing this. Um, I have talked to a few art therapists, and I will put myself in this group. When I read Dick's book, I said, I'm already doing this. And there's, there's a sense of arrogance, right? Like, yeah, we can do this. And then I tried from his book to apply it and kept hitting the brick walls. And it's like, oh, okay. So I have a foundation understanding and I have the art therapy perspective, but this is a formalized and researched way. Mm-hmm. And that's important. It's so important because I know all of us put our clients first. It's, yeah. you, you just do. And so you want it to be ethical and effective. And if we're going to hit brick walls in therapy, it's not fair to our clients. So we we really need the foundational Mm -hmm. trainings. And we know IFS at this point has like a two-year waiting list to even get to level one. And people are hungry for it. So another reason that motivates us is to arouse interest, give some foundation. There's other ways to to start understanding. There's... um, there's Facebook group, you can, you're actually paying um, the IFS Foundation or um, Self-Leadership Institute um, for the IFS Circle to get some basic training. That doesn't make you an IFS therapist, sure. but especially as art therapists, expressive therapists, we already are doing aspects yeah. of this. So it, it sounds like just right. a natural fit. Yes. And recognize your brick walls. When you hit that brick wall, no know that okay this is where i need more supervision training and getting that wait list can we talk a little bit about the overlap with emdr too absolutely let's talk about that how does that how do the two work together um i had the same experience with emdr i did with ifs when i was first being trained i found my brain the whole time going i could use art here i could use art here i could use art here but both emdr and ifs 
start with um, that that body scan really you know what target memory you know what 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 did you yeah uh, there's no agenda in ifs it, meaning that we don't go in and say let as a therapist saying let's talk about this and we're trying to meet this treatment goal we ask the client whether you know this thing today what would you like to talk about it's very client guided and and they may say, I want to talk about grief, notice what's in their body, and they are noticing anger's coming out, they're scared. So to have this not agenda driven, okay. and that overlaps, even though I don't know how much they say that in the MDR trainings, but even in MDR, if the client says, I want a, a target memory, I want to talk about this today, and bring up a memory when that happened, well, that's the exile showing you the memory. And where do you know the sat in the body? Well, they both are doing that, right? And as our therapists, we're bringing in, you know, I'm about to show you an image like the audience can see this, but we'll bring in a body scan, draw where you feel it mm -hmm. or draw the part that comes up. So all through it, the three of them just, you know, intersect and um, work together in that way. It means that you could do a EMDR, pretty pure EMDR session and still bring in some art. And if someone gets stuck, you know, with EMDR, you're going down kind of a, IFS we'll call a trail, EMDR, it's a branch and there's, you know, branches off. If someone gets stuck, we might bring in IFS then, you know, the part that um, may not want to talk about this, what do they want us to understand? So you can do EMDR and bring in a little IFS and have them draw it. You can be doing IFS and they get stuck. And so you do some bilateral drawing or uh, you know tapping, any kind of stimulation, and it can help soften the part. So I'll let Celicia oh. go. <laughs> and yeah. just some other ways that I kind of bring in the art component to it is I'll have clients often wear bilateral bracelets um, so they are kind of you know, just vibrating back and forth or we'll have tappers where um, even today in one of my sessions, I had her just stick them in her pockets, mm -hmm. right? So they're like on her thighs bilaterally and then I am still controlling the speed and the intensity of, of the bilaterals while she's making art, right? So, and then as she's making art, I keep the bilaterals going and she's processing through a traumatic scene. If we do get stuck or we need to apply self-energy, it's easy to say, okay, let's pause there for a moment. So in EMDR, we, we oftentimes would stop a bilateral mm -hmm. um, and say, okay, take a deep breath. What are you noticing now? Those are great moments to be able to pull in you know, what's it like uh, showing some compassion towards that part or understanding why your body froze, why your mm -hmm. body didn't respond the way you wanted it to. Um, you know, what's it like hearing from this part and hearing that the part is frustrated, you know, and, and knowing all of this new information and having some more separation instead of the client feeling like she's angry, you know, that there's mm -hmm. a part of her that's angry. So I feel like all three just overlaps so beautifully. And what Peggy and I actually were able to do was because we don't live locally, um, I actually flew to Peggy's house last year to just start, well, we see each other every year, pre-pandemic, we would hang out <laughs> a few sure. times. Um, but 
we were able to actually just get together and do a writing retreat. Um, and for four for days chapter. for the chapter and for four days, we just overtook her house um, with large pieces of paper, just planning out how we wanted to overlap these three, these three modalities. Um, so in our chapter, we actually created a chart looking at the trauma model. So stabilization, reprocessing and integration. So we have that first. Then we also say, you know, based on our trauma model that we're all trained in, you know, if you're doing trauma work, how does that then apply in IFS? And we broke down kind of the IFS in different, in six levels. Then how does that apply to the eight steps of the EMDR process? And in all of those, how do we now pull in our therapy agendas or tasks for each of those different phases? Um, because we really wanted to be able to say, if you're in phase one history taking, mm -hmm. what can that look like in art therapy? You know, what does that look like when you're starting to just find a part that's more phase one? You're just noticing what's there. You're just feeling it. Um, so we kind of took a while to figure out how we were going to overlap all three of those. Um, and I think we're pretty proud of our chart. So Alicia, I'm, I'm laughing when you said it took a while. We brainstormed and we had a chart and a big piece of paper in about two hours. We really, that first day, we did it, <laughs> it all. That was the foundation. And yeah, there are, there's a, we, we add in our chapter and our lectures, another foundational piece is the understanding of, the, of, of trauma models and trauma theory. We bring in neurosequential, Bruce Perry, Dan Siegel, Window of Tolerance, um, Vander Kalk, of course, um, uh, sensory somatic. So we, we're, we're bringing in a, a polyvagal. We bring in, there's so many intersections mm -hmm. of these different models. And I think another point we really wanted to make is for people, if you take a workshop and you learn just one model, you take another workshop and you take, you learn another model. It can be hard to understand how do they work together? And yeah. yet that's what we're doing. We, we're not learning six different approaches. We want to develop one approach using six, um, you know, things from different models and different tools mm -hmm. without, without contaminating um, EMDR or IFS. We, we don't want to, you know, take away and modify sure. it in a way where it's, you know, it's not respectful, but looking for the organic ways that they, that they really overlap naturally. So, yeah. Uh, it sounds like it was an awesome experience collaborating to like the, your own creative process of writing the chapter together. Um, sounds like that was really fun, but also obviously very exciting information um, that you're going to be sharing with readers too. Well, we're gonna actually, sorry, go ahead, Peggy. Yeah, to bring in the Expressive Therapy Summit to tie it all in, it was fairly easy for us to write this because um, it was based on the workshop we did for the summit. All, uh, it was a culmination of the different IFS and our therapy workshops. That's already the outline. We literally put up a six hour PowerPoint and that was the outline for our chapter. So the Expressive Therapy Summit you know, has to take credit you know, for really helping us to organize this and write a chapter about it. And this is not the first time I've heard that um, 
happening from, from the summit that other people too have taken their presentations and then it turns into a publication, which is really wonderful to, um, I think for folks that maybe haven't presented their work before to, to understand that it really has this capability of growing into something else too, which is a great resource for people. Yeah, so Vicki, I mean, we've been doing the master class since 2016. Um, so every year we present two to three times, whether it's in LA or New York. Um, more recently, they've all been virtual. Mm -hmm. So we're doing another virtual summit. Um, I think registration recently launched for the November summit. And we're, this is our first time we're going to be presenting it with IFS, EMDR, and our therapy all together. So we're, we're bringing EMDR into it. Yeah. Yes. So we're going to be really pulling in more of what the work we did on the chapter and we're presenting that on November 17th. Um, so it's going to be a six hour all day class. And when we do our six hour classes, we also incorporate body mapping in the morning. So we train them on how to actually do the body scan, connecting to a part, feeling it within your body and then depicting it on a, mm. on a body map. And then the afternoon component is typically we use clay and um, clay was the part that, you know, when I had originally put in my, my proposal, I had a clay component to it. So Barry's like, just put it all together and make one class. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so then we do the clay component where they're actually sculpting a part, then they're sculpting how they respond to a part. And you also get to sculpt self. Energy. Oh, <laughs> and you can visualize the, the, the benefit of our therapy and the visual, you know, it, it, it externalizes the internal, which is what IFS is doing, I should add, right? So you may have a scared part, you may have a firefighter and you'll have the self energy and there's a polarization with the clay, you can move them together, they guide it how close, how safe building that friendship and the trust, how polarized the self-energy coming in, offering this compassion um, and this wisdom and that visualization in this 3D is so powerful. In the other, the other therapies, expressive therapies in, in drama therapy, you know, you would, mm -hmm. you, you can act it out. You can role play with the parts as well. So there's, there's room for the different modalities, the different expressive therapies as well. Yeah. I, I could yeah. see it tying in to, so like you could just build and build on the layers there. Um, Each part may write a poem or creative writing, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. music, not a music therapist, but I'm, you know, different instruments being a part different. Mm -hmm. um, Might have a movement. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Sounds, sounds like it's going to be a wonderful class. Um, there's something about the way that you're talking about the, the self energy too, that makes me think of the untethered soul. Have you read that book before? No. Um, I've heard of it. It's been recommended. I've not read it. Um, now I will. <laughs> it's but, probably on my bookshelf. <laughs> well, it's been recommended to me yeah. 
and for a while and I just started reading it. And so it's fresh in my mind. Um, but the author, Michael Singer talks about, you know, the self as the observer, not the voice in your head. That's a different part, right? He's still, he's using very similar language and how, when we can take a step back and notice, um, that, that that's the, the true self, you know, that's like the core of our spirit of, of yes. who we really are. Um, and it sounds like the way IFS, um, integrates that it's so holistic. Absolutely. And Dick Schwartz will say, I mean, he has said this to me privately has said it to in group, you know, in trainings, he said, I didn't invent this. This isn't my brain. It came through me. It just came through me. It's that it's wisdom. And that will just uh, just to add one more component that I think is really relevant and um, quite necessary is a concept of of legacy, um, wisdom and legacy burdens and cultural burdens, because IFS really does look not just as our own personal experiences mm -hmm. that may have happened when we were children or teenagers or even as an adult but you know the the racial injustice slavery the holocaust uh uh being a refugee and and injustices i mean the what our ancestors the burdens they carry mm -hmm. come down to us as well as ancestral wisdom through through this self energy so he's saying it's not as if you know take ego aside we're not thinking this stuff up this is knowledge we're becoming more open to and having that courage to 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 use it and I, i've said it before and i'll say it again i learn more from my clients than any any uh teacher anyway i mean they're the ones that are going to say what works and what doesn't work mm -hmm. and help us in those modifications for sure yeah Wow. So are you just teaching one workshop at the summit this year um, in November, or are you going to be teaching more than one? Celicia and I are teaching this, we're, uh, only this one, but I'm going to be on the panel to talk about the book. Okay. So all the authors of the book and, um, um, and myself will be sitting on it. We'll have about an hour to discuss the book, take questions. And then the rest of the day, each of us will have an hour to do an art experiential and uh, based on our chapter to help understand our chapter. So oh, it will be a full day. That sounds amazing too. So um, I had Jocelyn's episode just aired, like I want to say last week. Um, that I had spoken with her, that was episode 78. And then I spoke with Jennifer Marchand in, uh, 2021, early 2021, um, episode 46, which both of them are really amazing too. And so if you're listening, you should check those out as well. Um, but it sounds like it's going to be a fabulous experience for folks that want to attend and it's virtual. So yeah. people can attend from wherever there's not a, um, like a distance thing. You don't have to worry about traveling or the expense of traveling it can be at home, uh, which is really exciting. Um, 
If people want to learn more about you, Celicia, and what you do, different trainings that you have coming up, where can they find more information about you? Um, so you can check me out on my website. It's www.creatingyourjourneyllc.com. Um, or you can email me at creatingyourjourneyllc at gmail.com. All right. Excellent. And I'm going to ask the same of you, Peggy, where can people find more about you? So I have my website, arttherapycollective.vpweb.com. And this will be motivation to, to update. I do so much every week I can get behind, but I also do a lot of marketing on my, uh, on my Facebook page, which is my name and they're welcome to, okay. to ask to join that. Um, I have an art therapy collective page as well. Uh, my Instagram is, um, I think it's Gigi Peg. <laughs> okay. And my email is pkolodny at yahoo.com. Awesome. So I will put all of those links in the show notes. Um, and I hope that folks check out your work at the upcoming Expressive Therapy Summit, which you can find um, the information by going to www.expressivetherapysummit.com. Really simple. And then click on virtual summits and you'll click on the upcoming um, November schedule and, and you can find um, how to register there. And um, yeah, it's been a real pleasure to speak with both of you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. This was it's always a pleasure to talk about the work we do and spread the word. Yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for your wisdom, sharing your wisdom with listeners and me. I get to learn so much from doing these interviews. It's kind of the best thing ever. Um, so I, I really do appreciate your time and, and being willing to be on the show. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Peggy and Celicia. Um, I just found both of them to be amazing uh, to talk to and learn from. And I personally have taken a training with Peggy at uh, one of the summit events in the past, I don't know how many years ago now. Um, and it was amazing. And I continue to utilize the interventions that I learned uh, with her, with my clients and the work that I do. Um, but the other thing that I really found uh, Peggy to be as a presenter was incredibly able to break down complex concepts into easily accessible information. Cause she was talking a lot about the like neurobiology of trauma in that training. We did like a lot of didactic stuff and a lot of experiential stuff, which is wonderful. You get a mix of both helps you really integrate all the information. And she just made the sciency part of it, um, very accessible and easy to understand, uh, which I think for those of us that our brains go, wait, slow down. What are you talking about? To have somebody be able to put it in language that makes sense um, and 
bite-sized pieces that we can go, okay, like I'm getting it now uh, is super helpful. So I think you will not be disappointed. You will be really excited if you sign up for their, um, their session at the Expressive Therapy Summit on November 17th. I don't know about you, but I loved, 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 loved this concept of self-energy that came up in the interview. I just found that it really resonated for me for a number of reasons. I think I'm really working at trying to manage my energy more effectively so that I can say yes to the things that light me up and no to the things that drain me, um, which is hard to do sometimes. Um, and I, I just loved that concept. I also loved the idea of uh, the three parts, the manager part, the firefighter part, and the exile part, um, and how they all kind of play their own role and, and the way those roles serve us. And I just found that super interesting. And our conversation today really wants me, uh, really wants to make me dive more into um, internal family systems myself and explore that a little bit more. And one of the things that stood out to me about this model is how destigmatizing uh, it can be, right? Because we're really saying, hey, these are human concepts. These are things that all human beings experience. And so we can kind of eliminate the labels, even if, you know, we're, we're work using the modality to work with a particular clinical issue. Um, it's really goes back to, um, aspects of humanity that exist within all of us. And I just found that really beautiful. Um, Anyways, I, again, I hope you enjoyed the episode and definitely check out the summit and check out their session and all the other wonderful, um, training opportunities that are happening this November. All right, everybody take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of the creative psychotherapist. If you like what you heard, please rate review and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. For show notes, downloads, and additional resources, head over to the website at www.creativeclinicianscorner.com.